Lord, we thank you that you have preserved your word for us. Uh, thank you that you've spoken to us, God, and you have uh, been gracious to uh, communicate and, and preserve scripture, give it to us in our heart language uh, for many of us. Lord, we're, we're thankful for that. We ask uh, for your help. Lord, we know that your word is good. Uh, we know that your word is, is helpful and it's profitable and it can encourage us. You, you speak through your word. And so we ask that you would uh, remove the clutter from our minds and our hearts, that, that we would truly hear from you today, that you would speak to us uh, from this text. God, we are um, in and of ourselves inadequate to come to your word and, and really have any understanding outside of the help of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to give us understanding. God, you know, uh, what is so encouraging is that you know exactly uh, what we need. You know exactly where each of us are. You know the exact fears, struggles, uh, questions, burdens, wounds uh, that we are facing. And so, God, we ask that you would, uh, in a way that only you can, you, you would speak directly to, to each of us uh, through, through this text. We pray that the result of that, God, would, would be us coming out of the other side, uh, being encouraged in you, hoping in you, uh, seeing the, the, the beauty of Jesus uh, in, a, in a deeper way, and, and marveling over uh, his sacrifice uh, for us. So God, come and do that. Um, we are not capable of making it happen, and so we are dependent on you to work by your spirit, and we trust that you will. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So the most uh, repeated... Uh, commandment in the Bible is uh, do not fear or do not be afraid. Um, it is repeated over and over and over again throughout Scripture, which gives us uh, a really clear understanding that God knows that we are very prone to thus be afraid. What do you think about the last time that you felt a sense of fear? I felt a sharp sense of fear recently uh, driving down uh, School Street. Shout out School Street, anybody? No? Okay. A couple people. Uh, driving down School Street, uh, taking the turn um, just below the high school onto, onto School Street, and then uh, just going, and then seeing a car come down towards me in the wrong lane. Uh, a van, a big van coming towards me in the wrong lane. And just for like three seconds, I just felt fear from my head to my toes. Just like a hot sensation, like... And I was like, wow. And then they, they swerved back into their lane. They understood that this is not the way driving works here. So they moved. I said, thank you. Right? But I felt a sense of fear from head to toe that I haven't felt in a long time. And it, it made me remember, it's like, this is, this is what a deep, deep sense of fear feels like. And, and while sometimes we may not be in a part of life where we feel a deep, deep sense of fear, uh, if you are anything like me, you are always feeling smaller senses of fear that in different ways seem to just dominate your thinking or your actions, if we were to maybe be honest. And so while we may not feel that huge rush of fear that this car is going to crash into me, how, how will this work out? We, we still live with these different um, kind of paralyzing uh, just fears that end up clamming us up in our relationship with others, in, in, our, in our thought life. We just automatically go to the worst thing that could possibly happen. We end up having these fake conversations. We're like, well, if they say this, then I'm going to say this, and then I'll do this, and then it'll all work, right? We're just, we're just trapped by this cycle, oftentimes, of fear. But God's Word speaks to fear and encourages us to not be afraid. We're taking the next uh, couple weeks to, to look at uh, the Psalms and, and see how the Psalms are an opportunity for us to learn from raw, God-centered, honest wisdom. 
the Psalms, this collection of prayers, this collection of songs that, that made this songbook for the people of God, Israel. It, it reveals that, that there is no, uh, no range of human emotion or experience that God's wisdom does not speak to. That's what the Psalms teach us. And so we've been coming to the Psalms to, to learn how to deal with some of these emotions that we face. Last week, uh, we talked about what, what, do, what does God's Word say to when we feel spiritually depressed, when we just feel like there is a fog between us and God. This week, we're obviously going to talk about how, what does God say to us when we feel afraid? Maybe afraid of, a, a, of an outcome. Maybe, maybe afraid of a, a person. Maybe afraid of a, of a hard situation that we know we're going to have to try to get through. What does God's word speak to us when we deal with fear? So we're going to look at Psalm 27 and see uh, a psalm of David, king of Israel, and how he dealt with a very real fear. And we're going to glean wisdom for how we, how God has encouraged us or is calling us to deal with the types of fears that we face as well. So let's look at Psalm 27 and hear from David as he goes before the Lord. He ends up, uh, maybe think of this as a song slash prayer that he crafts out of a very real life situation, which we will talk through as we look at the text. Psalm 27. What do we do when we feel afraid? David writes this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies." Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What do we do when we feel afraid? The psalmist, David here, right, some of the background for this psalm uh, we would find in First and Second Samuel when David is dealing with all sorts of opposition and trials and troubles. Uh, uh, he deals with a lot of uh, trials and troubles from his own sin and foolishness um, and error, but he deals with a lot that have nothing to do with him, and, and he deals with all sorts of types of fear. Uh, the psalmist here, David, is speaking about fear, and he really does have every legitimate reason to be afraid. We know from looking at those portions of Scripture, we know that, that David uh, ran uh, for his life, hid in the caves while being hunted by, by the king of Israel, being hunted by Saul. We, we know that he, he, he ran and fled 
We know that he was literally surrounded by armies that wanted to kill him. He literally had false witnesses slandering him. He literally faced all of these things. He has every legitimate reason to be afraid. His fears are not irrational. His fears are not abnormal. His fears are real. He has every reason to be afraid. And yet the paradox is this. We see it right there in the first three verses, this paradox. David, who has every legitimate reason to be afraid, this person is actually the opposite of afraid. He has every reason to live in fear, and yet he's courageous and confident. How, how is this possible? And, and this, this text gives us some insight on, on how this paradox can be real, how we can literally face all sorts of legitimate reasons to be afraid, and yet there is a, a way we can face all of those things and actually have courage and confidence. What is the connection between real fears and real courage and confidence? Well, it's the Lord. When we have a connection, when we have a, an understanding, when we have what David has, we will be able to deal with very real fears and not dismiss them, but at the same time, have a real tangible courage and confidence. So, so how, how does that happen? I think David is, in a, in a sense, he's a picture of what the faithful person uh, looks like when they face fears, what a person who is trusting in the Lord looks like when they face fears. This psalm is not a, any evidence that David was never afraid, right? This is just a realization that while he was afraid, while he faced fears, he was predominantly courageous and confident because of the Lord. Here, I think, is a big idea from this psalm that, that the faithful take confidence in God's ever-present protection. The faithful take confidence in God's ever-present protection. So what does this look like for us? Well, I think the first thing is this. When we face fear, confidence comes from knowing the robust character of God. When we face fear, confidence comes from knowing the robust character of God. Look at the first three verses of this psalm. It's so simple. It's so plainly there that we can easily run over it. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David is saying this, I know the Lord, so tell me who I'm supposed to be afraid of again. Right? It's this idea. You could almost read these verses like this. You could almost say, because the Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? Because the Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Because of who the Lord is, when evildoers assail me, try to eat up my flesh, it's actually them who fall into their own traps. Because of who the Lord is, though an army surround me, my heart won't fear. Because of who the Lord is. For the psalmist, confidence comes in the face of their fears. Confidence grows in the face of their fears from the soil of knowing the character of God. Now, notice even this language. Notice this language, right, that, that David uses here. The Lord is my light and salvation. There is a sense of personal intimacy here that David has with the Lord. This is not generic. This is not something that, that David just heard from a Bible study and just co-opted. This is something that he heard, he knew, and he, uh, he applied and he brought to his heart and to his soul in a personal way. He deeply knows 
the robust character of God. So he is able to have courage and confidence in the face of very real fears. Now, here's where I think this needle needs to be thread for myself and, and, and likely for you. Uh, notice that um, I am intentionally saying confidence comes in the face of fears from knowing the robust character of God. Not simply the character of God. The robust character of God. I mean, his character in full color, every aspect, not exhaustively, but knowing every aspect of him as best as we can. Many of us know the character of God generally, but we are still remote controlled by our fears. That's where I am often. So we need to know something more of the character of God than just our baseline understandings. Do we know the character of God deeply and robustly that we can say with David, the Lord is my light, my salvation, the stronghold of my life? Do we know the Lord deeply in that way? Do we know the robust character of God? I want to I show you this with an example to show this distinction between knowing the character of God, which is great, praise God, but we want to grow in our knowledge of that so that it becomes robust. I want to give you an example. Uh, my... Um, and to do this, I will, I will tell you a moment of fear for myself. Uh, in California, in the, probably the mid-90s, uh, in, in a great city uh, named, called Pasadena. Um, anyone have been there? Pasadena, California, great place, right? Um, so my uncle Harold, um, who, was a, who is a great man, uh, though I hated him uh, when I was seven um, because of his strict rules in his home, he had all-white furniture, uh, in his house, which does not bode well for a, a seven-year-old coming for the summer, a mama's boy. Uh, and so he, he was determined to get the mama's boy out of me. Uh, and so he did that in many ways with many stories that I will tell you at another time or will be in my memoirs um, in the future. But for this, for this particular purpose, we were, uh, we were hanging out uh, at my cousin Julius's house, um, and they had a big pool in the backyard, and I can't swim. Uh, and so Harold uh, was like, well, we're going to teach you today. And, uh, and so he picks me up and throws me in the deep end of the pool. Uh, so as you can imagine, the main emotion and thought surging through my mind and body is uh, fear. It's fear. The remedy to that fear for most people would be being able to swim, right? So... I'm in the water, I'm afraid, now I'll let me swim, now my fears are relieved, right? But if you can't swim, uh, your remedy for the fear of being thrown into the deep end of the pool is going to be the people around you. And so the way that my fears were relieved was knowing that my Uncle Harold loves me like his own son. Knowing that my Uncle Harold would never do anything, despite appearances, would never do anything ultimately to harm me, but that he loves me. Now, that is an example of knowing the character of God. But think about this for a minute. That, that helps. That is good. That is right. Praise God. But that's, that's not enough to get you through fear. Because I, in that circumstance, I need more than sentimentality. I need more than the understanding that Harold loves me. I need to know that he loves me and he can swim. I need to know he loves me and he is quick because I'm not going to last long. So I need a robust understanding of the character of my uncle to face the fear of being thrown in the deep end. Do you, do you understand? 
I need to, not, need to know not only that he loves me, I need to know that he, he's an he's a ex-Marine. He's fast. I need to know that he's got big, thick, strong thighs that can get in there, and he's going to be able to move quick. I need to know that his grip is strong and he won't drop me. I need to know the robust character of my uncle in order to face real fears when they come. In the same way, we cannot simply operate on a general understanding of the character of God. We must know him robustly. This is why so many of us know Jesus. He is our Savior. We do love him, and yet we are always so afraid. We do not know his, the character of God robustly. There's not to be ashamed of. There's not, not to feel anything about that, but we want to know so that we can grow in it. Confidence comes from a robust understanding of God. Think about what David does in these first three verses. And really, we're going to spend most of our time just in the first four. But think about what he does in these first three verses. The Lord, what does he call the Lord? What are all the things that he calls the Lord in these first three verses? My light. What else? My salvation. And what? The stronghold of my life. He calls the Lord three different things. What is he doing? Each of these carry a different flavor. Right? Each, each of these are highlighting a different aspect of, of who the Lord is. David, David is getting through these fears, not from a general understanding, God, God loves me, not just from that general understanding, as, as central as that is, but he is, he is flavoring his understanding with the robust character of God. Right? This is the difference between somebody who, when they cook something, the only spice that they know to put in is pepper, Versus somebody who knows, I can put in the oregano, I can put in the paprika, I can put in the cumin, I can do all of these different things to really bring the fullness of this experience to life. So David says, he is my light. If we know from Psalm 119, this, this is a sense that he's the one that directs us, he's the one that guides us. Think of how that helps you when you face fears. Oh, the Lord is my light. He's the one who directs me and guides me. The Lord is my salvation. He's the one that rescues me. He's the one that, that snatched me from my sins. He's, he's the one that, that snatches me away from condemnation and brings me into his mercy and grace. He's the one who delivers me, right? This has the, the connotation not just of salvation of being saved from sin, but salvation from particular situations and trials where everything seems to be going wrong, and then God intervenes and, and brings us into a, into a solid ground, into a good place. He uses the language of, of uh, stronghold, this, this idea of a military fortress or an army uh, to which that you could retreat, and that is so strong, so sturdy, so trustworthy that anything that comes up against it cannot get through the gate, cannot put a touch you, cannot do anything to you because of its strength and power. Right? So David is relying on the robust character of God to face very real fears. Right, think about this. We we know, we we know that the Lord, I think the thing that we go to the most is that the Lord is gracious to us to forgive us our sins through Jesus, which is huge. But how much do we fight our fears by remembering that the Lord also takes pity on us in our weakness? Right? We 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 know that the Lord has been faithful to save us, but how much do we fight our fears by remembering He is also faithful to preserve us each and every single day? We have to face our fears through the robust character of God, right? Our, our understanding of Jesus even be, begins to become incomplete when we primarily think of 
our salvation as just a past thing of forgiveness and not also a present reality of sustaining and protection. When we primarily only think of Jesus' work as done in the past, but not also sustaining and protecting us right now. The good news for us is that Scripture links all of these realities, all of this robust character of God. Scripture links them together through one definitive act, through the cross of Jesus, through Jesus' loving sacrifice for our sins on our behalf. Because Christ is our salvation, because Christ is the one who, upon his own shoulders in deep love for us, bears our sins, bears the judgment of God upon himself out of pure, ferocious, devoted, passionate love for each of us. Because of that reality, Scripture says that we now have nothing to fear. And you can almost think about it like this. I think the stronghold image is so helpful. stronghold, this fortified place, this this place of covering. David says it here, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, this sense of my whole life is covered by the Lord. Nothing gets into my life, nothing touches my life apart from the Lord. Some of that leads us to questions that we can't answer and we don't deeply know, but it also is meant to give us this great comfort. The Lord is our stronghold. He is the one that protects us. He is the one that sustains us when we face fears. And when we connect this to the work of Jesus, we are actually able to have courage in the face of fears in a unique way, otherwise not possible. Think about it like this. Think about this. The gospel of Jesus teaches us that the Lord is the stronghold of our life in a unique way. Because the gospel of Jesus teaches us, the good news of Jesus teaches us that through the cross, through Jesus' sacrifice, we will never feel the storm of God's judgment. Through the cross of Jesus, we will never even feel a a touch, an ounce of the weight of the debt of our sins. Jesus is the stronghold in which we are hidden that the judgment of God would never come upon us. He is the stronghold of our life. He is the protection of our life is through the work of Jesus. This becomes the the deepest reality for the faithful, the deepest reality for the believer. And when we understand this, if God in his love has made Christ the stronghold of our life to shield us from what we justly deserve for our sins, if he has shielded us from that thing, that ultimate fear, that ultimate moment of justice, that ultimate moment of accountability, if he has shielded us from that, surely he will find a way to shield us from every other fear that is lesser. This is the logic of Scripture. This is the logic of Scripture in how it is possible to face very real fears and not be completely paralyzed by them. It is the understanding that the Lord is the stronghold of my life. If God would turn the storm of his judgment away from us and upon himself and his son, he will be with us through every other fear and trial that we face. It's just the logic of God's love and grace. This is the connection that scripture makes for us. So one of the ways that we combat our fears when we face them, is to think about the robust character of God and to think about the reality of the gospel. 
the work that Jesus has done to become the stronghold of our life. And even our great fears cannot take this from us. Now, I want you to contrast this with the, with the ways that we typically deal with our fears. Psalm 27 is showing us we, we, we ought to, the faithful, deal with their fears by understanding the robust character of God, understanding the Lord is our stronghold, the one that saves and protects. But think about the way that we normally deal with uh, fears when they come into our lives, right? We deal with them, I think, primarily maybe by two ways. One is by avoidance. We suppress them. Or the other way is we try to construct our own strongholds that we think will weather the storm of the situation. Whether our fear is a, is a whom, a person, or a what, a scenario. We construct our own little uh, strongholds um, that, that, that don't really stand against any type of wind or situation. Right? Think about this. If, if we have, a, if we have a, a fear and anxiety in relation to money, do you know the stronghold that we will end up making? Greed. Well, let me accumulate more because I, I fear that if I lose this, I lose everything. Right? We'll make a stronghold of our bank accounts. Right? I got to get more, and I got to get more, I got to get more, or we'll take it the other way. We'll become insanely frugal. Right? We'll be the person who has a lot, but it's like, I can't, can't get a $3 coffee. Right? Every day. Nope. Right? Right? You know, you're those friends that you go out with, and you're like, oh, we're going to lunch. I hope they'll pay for me. I know they make double what I make. Please buy me. Just buy me like a water. Right? Just help me. <laughs> and they're like, ah. Uh, they're like, no, can I get this for free? Like, it's like, what are you doing, right? So, so we, can, we can go into either of those strongholds, right? Uh, fear and anxiety over our reputation. We will build a stronghold that will protect our reputation. We will build a, a stronghold through gossip. We'll build a stronghold through lying. We'll build a stronghold through relational isolation to protect our reputation because we fear losing it. We'll, we'll build our own strongholds rather than trusting that Jesus is our stronghold. Jesus will protect us. Jesus will be sufficient. Right? These self-made strongholds promise protection, but they actually end up stealing from us the vulnerability that God has given in order to make us human, in order that we might truly relate to one another. So the question becomes for us this is, what are the false self-made strongholds that you are most prone to run to when fear comes? Another observation for us from this text is that fear can actually be a friend that leads us into a deep encounter with Jesus that enables us to come out of the other side with an intimacy with him that was otherwise not possible. Think of the knowledge of God that David has, not just intellectually, but experientially from being in a cave, hiding from trained men coming to kill him, and having as his only hope and recourse, crying out to God in prayer. There is something about a person who goes through that. When they come out on the other side, they are not the same. If you are facing a very real fear, here, here's the thing. I want you to be encouraged. If you're like, I always face fears. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of walking out of the lobby without slipping, right? If you're just afraid of everything, I want you to, to just not only see that as something, I got I to gotta fix that, I got to fix that. Understand that God is so gracious, he will actually use your propensity to fear to teach you an intimacy with him that other people would completely miss out on. So though we want to grow in courage and confidence in the Lord, we also don't want to miss that, that fear. God is so gracious, he takes fear, our enemy, and turns it into our friend to help us. 
You know, one great moment of this in history is from um, Martin Luther King's auto, uh, autobiography. He had got a, a phone call right when the, they're starting the, um, the riots for our, our the, uh, the bus protests in, in Montgomery, Alabama. He had got a, a phone call, uh, said, leave Montgomery immediately, got in the middle of the night, leave Montgomery immediately if you have no wish to die. Uh, he hangs up the phone. Uh, he writes this, that this was the first moment where he felt genuinely paralyzed and afraid and thought about quitting. So he puts the phone down. He says this, I was ready to give up with my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me. I tried to think of a way to move out of the movement without appearing a coward. In this state of exhaustion, my courage had all but gone. I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed aloud. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. At that moment, I experienced the presence of God as I had never experienced before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for truth and God will be at your side forever. At once my fears began to go, my uncertainty disappeared, I was ready to face anything. Right, three days later, a bomb blasts his house, his family gets out barely in time. And he says this, strangely enough, I accepted the word of the bombing calmly. My religious experience a few nights before had given me strength to face it. So when we face real fears and we bring them to the character of the Lord, we come out on the other side changed. We don't come out on the other side soldiers who are never afraid. We just come out on the other side changed. Our threshold to trust God, to hope in Him in the face of fears increases because we've experienced Him as our salvation tangibly. So I want us to think about what we can do naturally uh, to, to see this happen. Here is my, my hope for us, is that we would connect the robust character of God to our very real fears. What are you afraid of right now? Just think about what, what is the thing that you are most afraid of right now? I would caution you from feeling ashamed of being afraid about it and rather just recognize this is a real fear that I have. How do I connect this very real fear to the very real robust character of God who loves me and gave his son for me? Right here are some specific steps. I want to give us this and then, and then we'll, we'll close. Um, this is from a, a counselor uh, named Ed Welch. Um, he says this, he says, when our fears uh, try to overtake us, we should take the unnatural step of pausing pausing in our fears and entering into the fear rather than running away from it. We enter into the fear rather than running away from it in order to do these things, to ask, why am I so afraid? What are my fears saying? What is being threatened? And then he adds this, by pausing in our fears, to examine what is really happening in us, we can, we can do Psalm 46.10. We can be still and know that I am God. He will be exalted in the nations. So we can pause in our fears to ask us, what is behind this fear? And when we ask what's behind the fear, we're then able to connect our very real fears to the robust character of God. Right? Think about it like this. Right? You may be uh, afraid uh, of, a, of a particular conversation or a situation that you're ne you know you need to enter into. If you ask yourself, why am I afraid of this situation? Why am I afraid of this conversation? You might find out the reason I'm afraid of the situation and conversation is I'm afraid of being rejected in some way, shape, or form. 
Once we realize that I'm afraid of rejection, I'm able to connect rejection to the very real character of God in a deep, robust way. What does God say about my fear of rejection? Which tells me that he'll never leave me or forsake me. We see it in the psalm right here that David, even with a hyperbole, says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will not forget me. We're able to grab hold of a specific character, reality of God, and he meets us in that and comforts us in our fears if we can pause in our fears to get beneath the surface and say, what am I really afraid of here? So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of and why are you afraid? What is being threatened? Connect that to the very real character of God. The last thing from the psalm, I wish we had time to go through all of it, but we notice in, in verse four, the psalmist does this. It's almost a strange move in the psalm, right? We get the first three verses about, I, I will not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is with me. Who, of whom shall I be afraid? And then we get this, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. gaze upon his beauty and to acquire in his temple. The sense of that, that when we face our fears, one of the ways that we are to be helped, one of the things we can learn from the psalm, we learn prayer in the back end, right? In, in 7, seven through, uh, through, through 11, we learn that we are to wait on God. We don't have time to unpack those. But we learn uh, these, this lesson from the first three verses. We connect our fears to the robust character of God. But then we also learn this lesson here in verse 4, that when we are facing very real fears, we are so deeply helped by keeping the main thing the main thing by not losing sight of the Lord. David's saying, I got armies I got armies surrounding me. I got people that want to kill me. I have people slandering my name. I have my life threatened. I desire deeply to worship in the presence of God. He's facing real fears, but he is also keeping the main thing the main thing. By doing that, things begin to be put into perspective. Fears don't dissipate, but things begin to be put into perspective and into proportion when we keep the main thing the main thing because we have this promise through Christ. That neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, powers nor heights nor depths, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we begin to speak to our fears when we keep the main thing the main thing and connect it to the robust character of God. We find courage to get through fears that we thought were otherwise impossible to navigate. When we see Christ as our stronghold, when we connect our fears to the real character of God in a robust way, and when we understand that the main thing is always the main thing, the Lord will not leave us or forsake us. He proved it upon the cross. Fear is real. But through the grace of Jesus, our fears can be turned into a friend that lead us into deep intimacy with him by taking us far in experience to connect with his robust character. Let's pray. I want to encourage you to take a moment to, uh, just before God, ask him to show you your fears. Ask him to, to show you what it is that he wants you to take away from his word this morning. If you're here and you're, you're not a Christian, I would encourage you, if you feel comfortable with it, to just ask and say, God, if, the, if Jesus is real, if this gospel is true, would you, would you make that real and clear to me? Let's take a moment to pray silently, then I'll lead us in prayer aloud.